If you will, this morning, turn with me to our text, which is found in Psalm 103, verse 10. That's Psalm 103, verse 10. We'd be hard-pressed to find another passage in the Word of God that speaks of the depth of His mercy. Psalm 103, verse 10, reads this way. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art, and how merciful Thou art. I pray, Lord, in this hour, Thou art pleased to reveal the depth of that mercy. O Lord, take us to the plain, the place where Thou art. And, Lord, may You give us the mind of Thy Son, that we may be able to enter into worship. May Thy Spirit fill us with joy and thanksgiving for what Thou hast done and what Thou hast not done. O Lord, may You be pleased this day to open up thy word that we may enter into thanksgiving and enter into union with thee, communion with thee, Lord, as it pleases you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations 3.22, he said, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions, they fail not. As I said at the beginning, this passage this morning when I read it and have read it I just have to take a holy awe and a sea law and to sit still and ask the Lord to teach me in it you know we don't deal with people this way we don't deal with those we love this way we love mercy we don't love to give mercy we love to receive mercy but as far as giving mercy it's not in our nature never has been, never will be in a fallen nature to give mercy. But we're told in our text this morning as we stand up here and proclaim every week what the Lord has done for us and we give great thanks for what the Lord has done for us. Today I proclaim what He has not done. And I'm equally as thankful, equally as joyful because He has not dealt with us after our sins nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities it's what a child of God longs to know and experience for we know we are taught early that the wages of sin is death the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts the child of God and tells him that what you have done your sin against a holy and just Lord is worthy of death and there's no getting around that that's a gospel truth that sin any sin no matter what sin it is the punishment is death that is what the wages of sin pays it pays death but blessed be our Lord who gives us eternal life who gives us life and overrules sin who puts away sin, who does not deal with us according to what we deserve. If we we know that every sin, if it had its just reward, we would be sent to hell. It is a, a privilege, it is a blessing, 
to stand before you today, even though I feel unworthy even to speak these words, that the Lord has put away our sin. How great is this mercy. How great is the depth of his mercy to do this. In fact, the very next verse tells us how great it is. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. David, in the language that was given to him by the Holy Spirit, he knew it was innumerable, unmeasurable, the depth of the mercy of the Lord. So he gives us a measurement that can't be measured. It's as great as the heaven is high above the earth. So great is his mercy toward them that fear him. We'll talk about that verse a little bit later. For introduction this morning, I want to read the psalm. I want to read through it before we focus in on a portion of the psalm. So may the Holy Spirit prepare us as the words are read, as we know where they're coming from, and from the soul of David, actually. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord ye his angels that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye His host, ye ministers of His, that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As I said this morning, we're going to focus and start about verse 8 and probably just go through 14 and our focus this morning will be verse 10 but in verse 8 as 
David's soul is so uplifted and, and so thankful and it's full of blessing. And he's blessing the Lord for all that he has done. He comes to verse 8, and or this portion of what he has to say, and he said, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. We know elsewhere he wrote that his mercy endures forever. His mercy is deep. His mercy is unsearchable, much like his love. If you hold your finger here, because we're going to be going a lot of places today, but we're going to begin our journey today in Ezra. If you turn with me back to Ezra, chapter 9. I'll give you a, something that the Lord led his prophet to say um, after much after they were taken away to captivity, after the Lord had restored them, and Ezra and Nehemiah were the two that led them back from captivity. The end of Ezra 9, verse 13, we read these words. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that thou art God, has punished us less than our iniquities deserve and has given us such deliverance as this, should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Does the mercy of the Lord, does it bring you to the end of yourself to ask that question? How is it that I could sin every day and every hour of my life against the depth of the mercy of the Lord. His compassions never fail. His mercies never fail, even though we do. We fail to acknowledge that mercy. We fail to thank Him for that mercy. We fail to love that mercy. And Ezra looks out at the people and he says, Lord, all that we have done, You have punished us less than our sins deserved. And that is a place that the Holy Spirit brings every child of God at the feet of His Lord, a broken and contrite spirit, to say, Lord, Your mercy and how You deal with me is much greater than what I deserve. I deserve none of this. But how do we know that? We're shown that on a daily basis, or at least a regular basis, by the Holy Spirit that indwells us. That the Lord must increase and we must decrease. And we're going to read of one later that we know a lot about, but we don't focus too much about where he was brought, and that was Job. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But there is something in us, and you'll see this later, as I said, we cry out for the mercy, but we also cry out for justice. We look at this world the way it is, and we cry out for the Lord's justice to come, the Lord's justice to be done. But sometimes we cry out for justice based on who we are, and that's sin. That is sin. Mercy and justice 
kiss each other perfectly in Christ. The child of God must cry out for justice in Christ and by Christ, the one who has vengeance. The one who says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That's what Ezra said. If we break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations, wouldst not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us? Wouldn't that mean, Lord, that that be the end of your mercy? That you would wipe us off? If we do these same sins again, the very ones that, had pun that we were punished for, the very ones that we were taken to captivity and away from you for, for Lord, if we do them again, will you not wipe us off the face of the earth? Would you not be angry with us till thou hast consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? And that's the way we feel. Lord, you, your mercy, every day we get mercy. We get mercy. We get mercy for sin. We get mercy for hardness. We get mercy for bitterness. That's the depth of His mercy. We get mercy for unbelief. The Holy Spirit comes and tells us He's put it away. How can anyone... I know what the answer is in our old nature. I know that our old nature would do it. But how can anyone ever look up to the Lord and say, I deserve mercy? In verse 15, he says, O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped because of your mercy. As it is this day, behold, we are before thee in our trespasses. We're still in our sin, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. I wonder if a realization ever comes over you that you have no right to stand before this God. That you, sitting in that seat, me standing up here, we have no right to stand before this God justified. Only Christ can. Our only standing must be in Him the just and justifier of His people. And Ezra cried out and said, Oh Lord, you know, I know what we deserve. That's what our text tells us. The Lord is merciful. Back in verse 8 of our Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And then verse 9 comes along and he tells us something very key about how he is merciful. And that is that he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. We know that God in his holiness and his righteousness cannot look upon sin. That sin must be put away. That sin must be dealt with. It is, it is of the Lord's mercy every day when He takes me to the depths of knowing doctrinally that my sin has been put away. 
that they've been nailed on the cross, that his blood has covered them, and has been taken away as far as the east is from the west. And then I commit sin again. And then there's more sin. There's more sin as a reward for what the Lord has done. And yet, the depth of his mercy he comes and washes me. He comes and brings me to the fountain. He comes and applies His blood and says, You are forgiven. Why? Because He will not always. Why? Because of His Son. His Son stood in our place. His Son was a, was a propitiation for us. You know what that word means? It means to restore or reconcile those at variance. To make friends again. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. There's a great breach between us and God because of sin. Christ is the one who made that breach between... He is our propitiation. That's what we're told in 1 John 4.10. Herein is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent Him to stand in our place. He sent Him to absorb the wrath of the justice of God, the just wrath poured out upon sin. To reconcile those at variance. To make friends again. The depth of that when it comes to the child of God's soul is when we're put in a rightful place. That's when David could write this psalm. That's when you and I can cry out, Oh, the Lord, Lord, the depth of thy mercy, the depth of thy great mercy toward me, a sinner. Paul said in Romans 3, 24 and 25, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. That's what the faith of the Son of God does. It takes us to His finished work. It takes us to the cleansing blood and says, This Lord, this Savior died for you. And you don't think we need that more than once? Do you continue to sin? Will you sin when you walk from this place? Will you sin before you get out of this place? Absolutely. What a merciful Lord. He's not dealt with He has not dealt with us after our sins. I don't know what that does for you when you read that. There are some that I've talked to that say, "Well, of course not." Look, I go to church. Look, I belong to this. I, I've, I've studied my Bible my whole life. That one that we know, I am told you, Job, he, he looks up to God and says, look at my integrity. Do you do that? Do you sit in the, at, at home at night or sit while you got your Bible open and say, oh Lord, I've lived a long life of service for you. Look what I've done for you. Look at, look at my merit. I get very scared when I talk to people that are close to death 
And when they're close to death, all they can tell me about is how they trust the Lord or they've done this. I've been faithful to Him my whole life. Now it's His turn to be faithful to me. That's scary. That's a scary place to be. That's scary for me to hear. I've heard those words before. And as the Lord prepares you to take you from this earth, if you can't claim what He is to you, what He has done for you, then I venture to say He hasn't. If all you have is what you've done for Him, you've never understood the depth of His mercy. You've never understood what this means. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Micah said it this way in 7.18, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of His heritage? What other God does that? Do you, when, we, when someone sins against you, do you just pass by their transgression and tell them you love them? No. You're looking for somebody to say, I'm sorry. You're looking for somebody to say, please forgive me. You're looking for somebody to say, I need to reconcile to you because I've wronged you. But the Lord isn't that way. He brings us to Him he brings us to the altar of sacrifice and out of His love and mercy causes us to cry out to Him. Oh Lord, save me. Save me from this besetting sin. Save me, Lord. Every day of my life, I have this unbelief. No, the Lord said He will not chide with us. Neither will He keep His anger forever. As I said, that sin has made a dreadful breach, a horrible breach between us and the Father. That's what sin has done. That's what our fall in Adam has done. Hold your finger here and turn with me over to Colossians 1. I told you we're going to go to a few places. So, Colossians 1 and... I'm going to skip around and read a couple verses and then settle in 20, but look at 13 and 14. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. That's what David just said when we read that psalm. He's in the kingdom of His Son. He knew it. Who has transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now look at verse 20. And having made peace, how? Through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. That's what the Holy Spirit tells the child of God. That wicked thought you just had, 
He has reconciled you to the Father by putting that away by the blood of His cross. The blood that covers the multitude of sin. I don't, I don't know about you. There's sometimes I get angry uh, more often than it should be. And uh, when I get angry, I say things I shouldn't say. And uh, when the Lord comes with conviction, and He does, it may not be at that moment, but it may be later. When He comes to, with conviction, I usually ask the Lord how He can love someone like me. <laughs> because I do it often. And He tells me here today in our text, this is how He, he doesn't deal with me that way. He deals with me in His Son based on what His Son has done. And that, that is the greatest of mercies. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. See, that's how we look to the Father. That is just, I can't believe it. I, I'll confess it to you now. I can't believe it. My unbelief says, Lord, there's no way I could be unreprovable, unblameable, and holy until the Lord shines the light upon His Son and says, this is how. If you're in Him, John, that's how. Your holiness is His holiness. He has kept every law. He has kept every jot and tittle. He has obeyed perfectly because you never could and you never would. And that blood, that efficacious blood, that blood that flowed on Calvary's tree and threw down to the ground, that blood covers the multitude of my sins. think of Paul he wrote in 2 Corinthians 5:19 to wit to understand to think to ponder that God was in Christ it was his plan God was in Christ the power of the father the plan of the father God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them because they were imputed to Him, our surety, our substitute. That's why He will not always chide. That is why He will not keep His anger forever because it has been appeased in His Son. And that brings us to our text. He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquity. How deep is that love? How deep is that mercy? When I go to this next text that I want to take you to, I always thank my brother Paul out there because he loves Ephesians 2. I do too. And I know why he loves it because of those little two words, but God, and that's what I shoot this morning. That's how. That's how. I stand and I say, Lord, how can you be merciful to me? I don't deserve it. Verse 4 tells us, but God, 
who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. It's because of His great love wherewith He loved. Even when we were dead in sins. I have a lot of deadness. I'll have deadness before this day is over. I had deadness when I walked up here. I have deadness because I carry this old nature around with me that's dead. Even when we were dead in sins, He's quickened us together with Christ. With the power of Christ. With the person of Christ. With Christ's blood. For by grace are you saved. And has raised us up together. Why? Because we're downtrodden because of sin. Because we're oppressed because of sin. Because... Because of this old nature that we carry around with us, it is heavy and it weighs us down. And He has raised us up together and He has made us to sit. He has made us to lie down. He has made us to sit because in and of ourselves, we will not sit. But because of His great mercy, He has made us to sit together in heavenly places In Christ Jesus. Remember that holy and unblameable and unreprovable? In Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And praise be to God that those ages to come keep coming. They keep coming. He's plenteous in mercy. His mercy endureth from from generation to generation. The same Lord, the same one to the Old Testament prophets, the same to, to us, the same to Peter and Paul, yesterday, today, and forever. Same mercy, same grace, same blood, same salvation. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness, that's mercy, toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest that any man should boast. For we are indeed His workmanship. See, all that holiness and all that unreprovable, we're His workmanship. We're formed to the image of His Son by His Son. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How great is that mercy! But God, He overruled sin. That's back to our text now in 103. He overruled it. He put it away. It has no claim on you and I today. But oh, how we feel it. Until He applies the blood. Until He shows us plenteous redemption in Him. Until He shows His mercy. Until He takes us and sets us in a place to see how great a salvation He has. David said in Psalm 32, 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is he whose sin is covered, whose sin is forgiven, 
since sometimes I sit and I ponder and I think of the way this world is and I think there's so many running as fast as they can to hell just as fast as they can in their debauchery and I say Lord without your grace and without your mercy there go I how great is that mercy to save us from the allurements of this world from the sin nature that's in us from the devil that's always in next to us telling us contrary to what Christ has said I can think of no greater picture off the top of my head to take you to to show us the depth of what the Lord has done but the one in our great type and picture of Joseph. You know, the Lord brings me to Joseph a lot of times to think about how his life went, how his brothers sold him into slavery, how he ended up in jail. And all throughout all of that, you could see the Lord entering in his life with great mercy, that mercy that was new every day. And he watched over him and he delivered him. And he watched over him and he delivered him. Turn with me over to how Genesis ends in Genesis 50. Because now, Jacob has passed away and the brothers are still worried. Now, keep in mind, the brothers have already been told, they've already reconciled with Joseph They've already had their moment of crying over one another. They've already had that great time together. But now, Jacob is dead. And when Jacob is dead, now they get worried again. And we pick this up just at the end in verse 15 of Genesis 50. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us. Isn't that our thoughts toward our Lord is always... We continue to sin against His mercy and we sin against His grace. And that thought, that the devil puts that in our mind and says, <clears throat> you know, He's going to hate you. How long can that mercy go? You keep sinning against that same Lord. You keep sinning against that holiness. He keeps putting it away. He's going to get tired of you. He's not going to do it anymore. And that's the thought that's introduced to them now. Peradventure, he'll hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil that we did unto him. Now notice this too. They see their sin. They see the just rewards of their sin. Surely we're going to be paid back for selling him out. Surely we're going to be paid back for leaving him for dead. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died. Remember the words of Jacob. So shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive. O oh Lord, is there forgiveness with you? The devil tells me you won't forgive again. My old nature says I've sinned so bad again against mercy and against love that I see people in this life that I love, that love me, that don't forgive me. I don't forgive the ones I love the way that you forgive me. Surely it'll run out. Surely that mercy will run out for me, Lord. I pray thee now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy Father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him.
They wanted forgiveness. They saw their sin. They were brought to see their sin. And they came and they said, what, what else can we do but ask for mercy? And what is it the our prayer that goes up to the Lord in asking for mercy is to be pardoned again. To be washed clean again. To be renewed again. But not as we do it, Lord. As you do. Perfectly. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And that's what true repentance is. The Lord brings you to say, Lord, I am yours. Do with me what will please you. Do with me, Lord, what will satisfy you. But see, here's the gospel. The gospel is that one already stood in our place. One became that propitiation for you and I. And His mercy goes on forever and ever and ever. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. And he was. Joseph was in the place to pardon. Joseph is a type of Christ. Joseph was in that place to say, You're forgiven. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ tells us that we are forgiven in Him. That His blood does cover the multitude of sins. But as for you, you thought evil against me. That's your nature. That's what we do. We think evil against our Lord. Lord, will you forgive? Will you be faithful this time? Will you provide the faith that's needed to get through this trial? Will you love me, Lord? You thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day. To save much people alive. God meant the sending of His Son for good. To save much people alive. He is plenteous in mercy. Back to our text in Psalm 103. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And that brings me to what I told you I would speak about a little bit, and that is justice. Well, there is something in the child of God that wants justice. I pray in you that it is justice based on the merit of Christ and not on your merit. Justice and mercy, as the psalmist tells us, kiss each other in Christ. We want justice because we look at ourselves and we look at that we're in here this morning. We look at the outside world that's out there running havoc and doing things out in the world. And we say, Lord, we deserve to be protected because we're in here worshiping you. We want justice based on our integrity. Let me show you how that went for one. Turn with me over to Job 31. No use trying to explain it. We'll just see if the Scriptures, see if the Holy Spirit will come 
and make this point. Now, Job has been, I I cannot underscore to you what Job has been through. You know he has lost everything physical to him. And in all of that, he did not sin with his mouth. He said the Lord gave and the Lord took away. And then the wave of religious persecution came toward him. The three friends who constantly told him and held religion over him and said, you know, Job, it's because you did this, it's because you did this, it's because you did that. And that began to weigh on him. And began to weigh on him. And we hear it too. We, 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 we know what the Word of God says, that it is because of sin. That there is a breach made. It is because of sin that we suffer. It is because of sin that we have diseases. It is because of sin that we are afflicted. Understand that. But there comes a time in our life that we look up to God and say, Lord, why would you do this to me? That time came in Job 31 for Job. Verse 6, he asks only for the Lord's justice. Let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. That's a dangerous place to be. Lord, judge me according to mine integrity. Judge me according to all that I've done for you. Judge me based on what I've done in my life for you, Lord. Now look at verse 35. Oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me and that mine adversary had written a book. Surely I would, have, I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. This is what I've went through, Lord. I've went through it for you. Judge me according to mine integrity. This is what I told you. At the end of man's life, man comes to the end of the days and says, Lord, look at my integrity. And if that's all we have, if that's all we have, we shall surely perish. But that's not all Job had. He had the Lord's presence. He had the Lord with him. Now turn right over to the next chapter, 32. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. That ain't all. Scriptures tell us what the problem is. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Baruchel, Baruchel, the Buzite of the kindred of Ram. Against Job was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God. In all the jo- and listen, I'm not up here pouring on Job. <laughs> By no means, Job is a picture of the child of God and the constant enemies that come and come and come. And He shows us once again that without Him we can do nothing. If the Lord takes that preserving grace from us for one minute and takes that preserving mercy from us for one minute, this is what we're left to, to say, Lord, judge me according to mine integrity. And the Lord did not leave Job there. He sent a servant. He sent one to speak to him and say, Job, thou art the man. 
You have justified yourself and you are wrong. And we know how the end of this goes. The Lord reveals himself, talks to him about his sovereignty, talks to Job about who he is, talks to him 